But y'all don't say that. Welcome back to the Couch Talk Podcast. Well, it was fun while it lasted. Last night, or the, and going into the morning, 14 Marlins have tested positive for Corona. The Marlins and Orioles game tonight has been canceled, as well as the Phillies and the Yankees. Ari, it's, uh, it was a good run. A good run. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a fun weekend. Um, I mean, this is why we can't have nice things. Listen, it sucks. I mean, I mean, hopefully they can uh, they can stop it before it gets out of hand, which I guess it sh- sort of has already. But hopefully it didn't spread to the Phillies. The Phillies are going to be a, the real barometer for for how it spread. Um, if if everyone on their team comes up negative, that's a really good sign. Um, I mean, I'm still hopeful that the season will continue. You know my. Uh, my belief in blind hope is pretty strong, so I hope that 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 it'll be all right. But it's definitely uh, not good circumstances for the MLB right now. There was a, there was a little bit of a scare uh, this weekend when Juan Soto tested positive, and then there was some question about whether the rest of the Nationals were positive. And the Yankees had said they're just going to move forward uh, with playing, and and I was scared. I thought that would be the major shutdown right there. Turned out the rest of the Nationals were clean. They went on to play. Play a three-game series. Everything went well. But here we are again. And so I think the problem with it, I mean, this is sports in 2020, and I think it's just managing to the best of, of their ability how to, to move on when, when people come up positive. You're not going to be able to stop corona, right? No. It's not a bubble situation. And so you just have to be able to, like you said, nip it in the bud. Yeah, and that's the biggest problem because I think that – I do think that the precautions in place in and around the stadium – are seem to be pretty solid. You know, all the experts have said that that they're pretty good. But then, you know, you're putting a lot of trust in people once they leave the stadium to continue being safe. And, you know, there are a lot of young, very wealthy men who are playing, and a lot of them believe they're invincible and believe that it can't be them. And there's a lot of trust. That's why the bubble is obviously the better option. Um and I mean, clearly we're seeing we're seeing uh, what could happen without a bubble right now. So, and I read this morning actually that the MLB had hoped and kind of figured that by July the virus ha- would have subsided a little bit, which is just ridiculous. I mean, how uh, you yeah. think you're inv- like how can you think that you're just going to you know fly by while there's a yeah. pandemic going on? I mean, the country? I mean, I'll say this as a fan, me. I feel comfortable just going with blind hope. I don't feel as comfortable with the commissioner of the MLB just blindly hoping that the the coronavirus is going to subside by a certain time. That just doesn't seem uh, seem so smart. Doesn't. I mean, the, the, no, absolutely not. And I think the reaction this morning has been really great for Adam Silver. He looks like a god right now. But now the future of Manfred as the MLB commissioner looks to be in doubt a little bit. And I don't know if uh, this will be it for him. You know, commissioner's terms don't really get ended on this. But then again, we've never faced a pandemic. So, you know, I don't know. What do you think the future of of Manfred as the MLB commissioner is? I mean, I really don't know, to be honest. I I mean, I don't think that many people are are a fan of Manfred. 
Um, I mean, this we're talking about the guy who, when investigating the biggest cheating scandal in years, called the World Series trophy a piece of metal. Um, he's clearly out of touch. The players don't don't uh, like him. The fans don't like him. Um, but at the end of the day, if the owners like him, then that's real. You know that the owners are his bosses, right? So yeah. Um, but I don't. I mean, if if the MLB season doesn't finish and there's a direct line to to Manfred, which there probably will be, because at the end of the day, he's the commissioner. Um, so it starts and ends with him. He his job could be in trouble. And honestly, I don't know why he would want to continue doing the job at a certain point. He just gets hate from every angle. Yeah, he gets hate at every angle, and he just seems like a bumbling fool at this point. And I think the, yeah. if you saw the game you know, against Washington the other night, he was speaking with lightning going on behind him, and I think that was a great – you know, that was the epitome of, of, of uh, yeah. his tenure as commissioner. It's a really good, it's a really good point. It, it really is. And, and, it was, and, and, it, and it all comes back to uh, – I remember him saying when that was going on, he was like, I don't even want to turn around and see it. And that goes hand in hand with his idea that the coronavirus would just subside by July. It's like, oh, if I don't look and I don't pay attention to it, it won't be there. I don't know, Rob. I don't know. Well, you're a fan of Blind Hope and Rob's just blind. Or yes, you want I, I'm a fan of Blind Hope unless it's coming from the commissioner of a major sports league. And so now I think the other thing that, that comes into play is, you know, the MLB had the opportunity to do – what the NBA did, which was join the bubble. Um, they could have done an AL and NL bubble in two separate parts of the country. You don't need interleague play during a pandemic. And they could have probably had just as much success as the NBA is having right now, where there aren't any cases at all. And so with the uh, CBA coming up, I think this is a, it puts us in an interesting dilemma because the owners in the PA are acting like children. And if they can't get it figured out when there's so much at stake or there might not be a season at all, I don't know how they're going to figure this outcome CBA negotiations. By the way, and, you know, the, the NBA tested like 360 players in the bubble last week. Not one came up positive. From July 24th to July 25th, the MLS, who's also in a bubble in Orlando, tested 885 players or something like that. Not one came up positive. So... There's a clear disconnect between uh, being in a bubble and not being in a bubble, and one works and the other seems to not be working. Um, I think uh, Manfred's in a little bit of trouble here. I just – I don't see how if – and, I mean, the, the, the Players Association definitely does deserve blame here for not, uh, for not going with a bubble idea or just not even seeming open to it, and this – and this all goes back to, like you said, they're behaving like children because there's just such a disconnect between the Players Association and the MLB itself that it's almost like, oh, you want to do this? Then I don't want to do it. And that type of attitude. And that's, I mean, that's, that's not positive. That's not going gonna, to gonna be, uh, be good for the game at all, of course. No, and I feel like they keep putting themselves, putting their backs against the wall. Manfred had said, you know, earlier when asked what would what would it take to cancel the season, he said multiple players on a team having an outbreak, and that's exactly what happened yesterday. And so now people are going to ask him, "Well, you said this. Now, now what do we do?" And so he just hasn't been. I know we're, I'm moving more to Manfred because he's just been 
he's just been it's easier to focus it's easier to focus on him yeah and i I don't want to bring the focus away totally from the owners and the players association because there is blame on both sides but for instance last night manfred had the opportunity to cancel the game and yes while the marlins uh had the opportunity to do it themselves this is this is not up to them players are going to want to play coaches are going to want to win it's up to the guy who's in charge to make the ultimate decision to cancel it. There was an outbreak last night. I mean, multiple yeah. people had it. How can you let them play? And listen, like like you said, the uh, there's blame for the owners. There's blame for the players' association. But you know what? Who's the who's the connecting piece between the two of them? And it's Manfred. So at the end of the day, if we, you know, if we if there's not a commissioner who can bridge the gap between the sides, that's that's literally his job. You know, so. I don't know. He does yeah. deserve a lot of the blame, and there's obviously blame to go on both sides, like we said, but he's the I mean, guy who's reminds, supposed to be connecting the two sides. This reminds me of when uh, uh, conference tournaments were shutting down, and there is no head of the, NCAA, of, the, of the NCAA. It's really it's up to the individual conference uh, heads to make the decision. And people, there was an argument at the, in March about actually taking, having someone take over so that there is someone at the top who can make the decision for people. And right now, there is, I mean, Manfred is the commissioner of the MLB. There's a reason why there's someone at the top making decisions, and he's not making them. He's leaving it up to the teams, which is just reckless right now. Yeah, I mean, confirmed not great at his job. Uh, I, I don't. He's just he's just not good at it. I don't know how else to put it. He like allowing allowing the the MLB the the Marlins to just make this decision is like watching a kid, a 5-year-old kid get hurt driving his toy car and then and then just being like, "You know what? If you want to keep on driving it, go for it. But if you if you think you'll get hurt again, then don't." What's the kid going to do? He's going to keep driving the freaking car. It's like what kind of decision making is it, is this? How can you? There were four cases yesterday, right? Yeah. And he's just letting them. You know, you have to make a unilateral decision. You know, right when Gobert tested positive, Adam Silver suspended the season immediately. Unilateral decision. You know. There's yeah. Got, you got you got to have the balls to make those decisions. You just. Well, while we wait on the rest of the MLB, MLB to kind of get some more testing going and, and see. Uh, we don't know. As of right now, the rest of the games tonight will be played. Hopefully, uh, the season can continue without a problem and they can take care of this right now. But from what we did see in three games, I liked what I saw. Me too. I mean, um, I mean, listen, obviously it's a little bit weird at first when there's a home run or a foul ball and you just see thousands of empty seats in the stands. But listen, I mean, I got used to it pretty quickly. It's really fun to watch baseball. Max Scherzer was was interviewed the other night um, when the Yankees were playing the Nationals, and he basically said, listen, as a player, it's like 95% the same. And at the end of the day, nothing in 2020 is normal. And, you know, you just got to put a smile on and be happy to that we're playing the game that we love. And that's true from a fan's perspective, too. Listen, it's what, would we rather there be fans in the stands and you, you know, yes, but that's just not the reality of the situation. And it's, it's been great having it back on TV. And once the games got, got going, cardboard or no cardboard, although I really do like the cardboard yeah, cutouts, uh, 
I, I thought the play was great. Um, you know, I thought, you know, there was nothing that made me say, man, this is just not the same. I, I thought there were some great games, starting with uh, the Yankees Nationals. Cole versus Scherzer was a great game, yep. even though it got rained out, which is just on par for the course for what 2020 is. Um, but the weekend was great, and I thought they were competitive games. And I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what – I mean, I'm, I'm hoping this can continue because otherwise – I mean, my betting's on fire right now. Yeah, you're betting. got to continue making money. Yeah, what, what were you this weekend? Like 10 of 14 or something? I, I was 10 of 14, and uh, I'm giving out picks for people who want them. Wow. So hit, hit me up. I'm, I'm right here for you. Yeah, I mean – But, yeah – where were my picks this weekend? That's a big weekend. My, I only lost money living the Yankees when they were losing to the Nationals. That's it. I'm like, oh, the Yankees are losing. Now I should bet on them. You know what my biggest problem is? I am kind of negative sometimes. I'm pessimistic. But that's only so the positives are even greater. When the Yankees were down 2 nothing on Saturday, I live the Nationals to win by more than 3.5. I mean, that's a great bet. I am – way too optimistic the Yankees were down I think 6-2 in like the fifth inning and I'm in my group chat everyone's saying the game's over I'm just like listen there's a lot of time left I've seen the Yankees make these comebacks before and I trust them to do it again they were hitting the ball hard and so I'm like yeah live it oh they go down another run odds are even better live it yep keep clicking it well then I did the same thing yesterday and then it backfired but I and this is how I end up losing a lot of money actually I I put wins and money on equal standings, and that's probably a terrible decision because if a Yankee, if the Yankees win and I lose betting on the other team, I'm like it's a win-win scenario. And there's just way too many games in the regular season, 60 or, or 162, where that just really hits my bank account hard. In yeah. the playoffs or World Series, it's okay. I, I really do do it then because there's only a seven-game series, and Either I'm making money or the Yankees were winning the winning the, their series, but I probably should stop with that with that strategy. But otherwise, I'm on fire. Listen, you're on fire right now. Just ride it until it stops. Exactly. Or until Manfred just forces it to stop. One or the other. I mean, do you so? Do you do you think like given to what we know right now that the season will continue? I think it's going to continue. The question is, is it going to finish and Listen, I mean, I can they move I the do, bubble? Probably not, right? No, no, they're not. They, it's probably yeah. I think. Listen, I think the way that it finishes is that this little outbreak here is a real, is a real warning sign and lesson to all the players and all the teams about how to conduct yourselves when you go home. Listen, it's three months of your life. You know, if this season doesn't get canceled, you're you're not getting paid, I think, right? I would assume. I think you know, there's a, yeah. there, there's a lot of money at stake here, and and when there's a lot of money at stake, it always leads you to believe that there will be a, a way figured out for it to finish. Um, but there's just a lot of trust being put in the hands of the players right now once they leave the stadium, and that is nerve wracking. Um, but I, I am hopeful that, that it will finish. And going back to what you said earlier, I think not only are the better teams mostly made up of veterans, but they also have an incentive to stay in the clear and try to stay 
healthy because they want to win a World Series, right? So I think yeah. the Yan- the Yankees, I mean, from what I've heard all of them say, they're going back to their hotel, they're being smart, they're being safe because they know they're close to winning that World Series and they don't care whether it's a pandemic or not. You know, yeah, you, mean, you, even, you even see like, I mean, guys like Mike Trout, Trout's wife is expected to give birth, birth in August. So he's doing everything he can to stay safe and uh, and not contract the virus so he doesn't bring it home to his wife and his unborn child. And I mean, but the problem is, is that 95% of the people could be as safe as possible. And it just takes one guy to, I don't know, go to Magic City to get food and uh, and then they can spread it to everyone else. You know, it's just, it really is that simple. One guy can get it and, and they can spread. So it's it's not... It's not what 99% of the people do. It's what that other 1% will do. And that's where the problem lies. Well, hopefully uh, they can figure this out. Hopefully guys can stay safe and uh, the season can continue. When we come back, we'll, there's some big news over the weekend. Jamal Adams was traded to the Seahawks. We'll discuss that. And we'll draft our top wide receivers for the 2020 NFL season. Well, 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 Jamal Adams finally got his wish. Over the weekend, the Seahawks will send safety Bradley McDougal first-round picks in 2021 and 2022 and a third-round pick in 2021 to the Jets in exchange for Adams and the Jets' fourth-round pick in 2022. He's been wanting out for a long time. He's been pretty childish. Ari, I know you have a lot to say on the matter. What do you think? Yeah, I mean – I've loved Jamal player Jamal Adams, the football player. He's an absolute stud on the field. I, I've been against trading him the whole time, just because I've seen, I've seen the Jets draft for too many years, and you know you get a bunch of draft picks back, and you still have to hit on those draft picks. But once he started, once he literally went to um, what was it, the New York Daily News or whatever? Yep, Manish. Manish. And and uh, criticized Gase and Douglas openly. I mean, he's just such a child. And then I don't know if you saw his Instagram live or any highlights from it from after he got traded. Like the guy's literally like, like he was born to be a freaking TikTok star with the way this guy craves attention. Like, I mean, I'm 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 happy he's gone now. I think Joe Douglas did a remarkable job. Um, fleecing the Seahawks, you know, and safety and Bradley McDougal is a pretty phenomenal return. Um, I mean, I really like Russell Wilson, so it sucks that the Seahawks kind of just jumped into to the loop as the top three least favorite team. Um, I really don't like Jamal Adams. Uh, I'm trying to control myself from using any more aggressive language here. Um, but um, I mean, I really don't like the guy. I think he behaved like a complete child. I love to see Le'Veon Bell attacking him on Twitter. Um, and I think Douglas did a really good job. Now, you know, he's made some really good trades so far. Hopefully he drafted well, and hopefully he's the guy. I, I, I have a tough time um, being optimistic about Jets drafting and whatnot. But, I mean, they fleece the Seahawks here. And if the Seahawks don't win a Super Bowl in the next two years with Jamal Adams, they're in a lot of trouble. And by the way, just one more thing on the Jamal Adams thing. He never – he has said that he's fine with the Seahawks not giving him a new contract right now. So this whole thing about getting paid was all just to get out of New York. Um, so fuck him. 
fuck Jamal Adams. From a non-Jets fan perspective, a, what do you think? That was a first of all, that was a grade A rant. Uh, that was that was fantastic. Uh, second of all, I mean, forget the future of the Jets drafting, right? Like, forget that they're you know they're gonna have to hit on the picks. Like you said, he fleeced them, and I thought it, I was even more surprised given the fact that a he's a safety, b I would think that the Seahawks would probably want to spend their assets protecting Russell Wilson because their line is a walking floodgate, and three. Adams has been – you usually don't get this return when your player, everyone knows in the world that he wants to leave. So given all of those factors, I think that was a great trade. And for me, I mean, I really hate Jamal Adams. And it's not just because him and my sister go back and forth on Instagram DMs sometimes. But that just shows that he's pretty childish because he bought a group of underage girls a bottle of tequila in Miami. So, you know – Maybe that's, you know, I, I, that wasn't, that did not make me very happy. And I'm glad he's getting out of New York. Hopefully he doesn't come back in the summers like he told my sister he would. Uh, and, and that's all I have to say on the matter. I think the safety position is one where, you know, there's plenty of other places that, that need the money allocated toward them. Um, and safety is not an in-the-box safety is not one. I mean, he's a great player. Um, I hope. I hope Russell Wilson can get him under control over there. Listen, I mean, but I mean, it. for anyone who hasn't seen it, just go back and watch the highlights of this Instagram live. It was the weirdest thing I have ever seen. He's an odd dude. It was he's freaking weird, guy. man. He's like dancing. He's got these glasses on with a cigar. He's like, it was so weird. And it, it honestly, I needed it to get me over the hump of just being like, yep, fuck this guy. He's out. I love the trade. Um, this is obviously and first of all, and, so, and additionally, the fact that they can get a pretty solid safety in return, and they have Ashton Davis, yeah. who they just drafted, who who could be a very solid player. I'm 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 thrilled if I'm the Jets. Yeah, I mean, listen, especially because you don't need a guy like that in the locker. No, and you really and don't. I think that I I think that Le, the Le'Veon going after him on Twitter probably probably shows what a, he's a leader in the Jets locker room too. It probably shows what a lot of the guys in the team think about him. He's a, he's a he was born to be a, a wide receiver actually. He's a freaking prima donna. Um, he's beyond selfish. I think that there's a very good chance two years down the line we we see him riled up again when you know a team doesn't want to pay him like he's a quarterback because he's an in the box safety. And he's don't get me wrong, he is a phenomenal football player. Like he's the type of guy when you watch a game, your eyes are just just glued to him because he jumps off the screen but but like the Jets the Jets didn't need him this year they're they're probably a seven or eight win team with him and they're probably a six or seven win team without him and they're much better off they rid themselves of a headache um uh, fuck it fuck Jamal I think I think and the best part of all of this is come week 14 the Jets are playing Seahawks which is very exciting and by the way just one more thing I think that um I mean I'm I'm assuming that you know I hope that somehow Adam Gase pulls it together and the Jets are a playoff team next year I'm assuming that won't be the case just because they're not set up to be one and I think that um so assuming Adam Gase will be out after the season to have this uh treasure chest of draft picks um is pretty enticing to to the top head coach candidates 
um, along with, you know, if the, if the players from this draft are good and Joe Douglas is proving that he knows how to put a team together, um, I, think, I think Jets fans should be cautiously optimistic about the future, cautiously because if you're a Jets fan, you should never be uh, just completely optimistic, um, but optimistic because we've got a lot of, of good uh, of draft picks now, and uh, I think we're in good shape for the future. And just one more time, fuck Jamal Adams. And before we move on, from what I'll say, and uh, we could wrap up the discussion on that, um, I think you're right. I think the future of the Jets from a from a um, front office perspective is, I think you've got the guy in, in Joe Douglas. He seems like a very sturdy leader, great talent evaluation. I mean, we'll see what happens with, with this draft class that they previously just drafted, but it's not in Gaze. And I've never been a big fan of Gaze, and I think he'll be out soon, but I think what the important thing is you have the guy who's going to make the picks and that's Douglas. So moving forward, blind. Hope yeah. I think, on. uh, I think Gase proves time and time again, that he's just not a good football coach. Um, I mean, the only success he had was when Peyton Manning was the real offensive coordinator of the Broncos team. Um, and I, just one more thing on Joe Douglas. I think what's really encouraging to Jets fans is that, you know, uh, Jamal Adams was was trying to put everything out in the public for months, and Joe Douglas was just quietly man- maneuvering this trade. Apparently, they had the trade details in place for like five days before they pulled the trigger. So to see someone operating in the dark like that is very new to the to what the Jets usually do, um, and I think that is is the most exciting part of all of it. It seems like we have a real GM here. Also plays well for the future in terms of players can know that, you know, Douglas kind of has their back. They made this trade without any problems. He, you know, succumbed to what Adam's demand was, which was to be traded. He did it. And, uh, you know, I think that bodes well. So Joe Douglas will be drafting, you know, a a lot of Jets players in in the near future. And now we will be drafting the top wide receivers for the 2020 draft. Ari, uh, Why don't you, I'm sorry. You, I was just going to say, I think you deserve the first pick after that rant. You think I've earned it? Yeah, right. you've earned well, it. If, I, if I get first it. pick, I'm going Julio Jones. Think there's, don't think there's another guy here. That's, that's I fair. Mean, um, I mean, the guy's just an animal. I, I think, uh, listen, you can, you can debate for probably Hopkins or, or Michael Thomas as the top guy, but I, I think I think Julio Jones is the easy call here. I am going to take Michael Thomas at two, and I think this debate can be tabled for a different different discussion. I'm a big fan of Michael Thomas at one, and so given what you just said, I think this should be a, a discussion later on. But for now, I will take Michael Thomas. He did set the record for NFL in uh, receptions last year, NFL record. And uh, he was also first in yards per route run, and he had a great season, nine touchdowns. Uh, that's my, yeah, I mean, my he, guy. He's, he, is, he is a beast. I just think uh, Leo is a bit more of a game-breaker than he is in terms of the big play. Um, but for another day. Um, for another day. I mean, be DeAndre Hopkins. Um, I think uh, – I think – you know, there, there really is an argument for all three to be um, the number one yeah, receiver. I think one. that maybe 
not that Hopkins fell off at all last year, but I, I feel like Jones and Thomas were sort of in, in another category. Um, but Hopkins, I mean, the guy doesn't drop passes. I can really see Hopkins almost having like a Larry Fitz type of extended career here just because he doesn't drop the ball. Um, so, yeah, that's my number two pick. Who are you, who are you going with? I'm going to go with Tyreek Hill. Oh, fuck. And, yeah. I wanted him. I, uh, I'm going off uh, what I've seen just in these last couple of years. I think it's just – you. Wa- I mean, his for him, it's – I mean, he puts up stats, but it's also just – you watch him, and he's just – he's incredible to watch. And I think from just an eye test, he passes it uh, with flying colors. And, you know, there's other guys in the mix. You have Devontae Adams. um you know, Diggs, Godwin, you know, guys will probably see have a great year. But from just when I watch the game, Tyreek Hill, I mean, listen, third and 16 in the Super Bowl, everyone knows the ball has to go to him, and he still beats the coverage. Yeah. Now, whether that was a great defensive play call, that's another story. But still, he's a he's a game changer, and that's my Yeah, I, I completely agree with that pick there. Um, Last pick here. I'm, got? I'm, I'm between Mike Evans and Devontae Adams here. And uh, I just – I need to talk it out a little bit. I mean, Mike Mike Evans. Go ahead. Mike – I just don't like that. I feel like Mike Evans takes some plays off. Um, you know what? Yeah. I, I'm going Devontae Adams uh, here. I just think – So, he, I've had Devontae Adams on my fantasy team for the last two years. And, I mean, it's hard because the Packers just – they just don't have that many weapons besides him and Aaron Jones. And so a lot of the time, teams can just double cover him and really pay a lot yeah, of attention Yeah, but he still dominates. No, that's what I'm saying. I, he still does get the job done. Um, his, I, it's just like if you there. turn on Devontae Adams' tape, like his route, r- route running route is run? just like yeah. – that will give you a hard on. Like it is just spectacular to watch. In and out of his breaks, it is really something else. Viagra of wide receivers. Yeah. Uh, so with my last pick, there was some. There has been some discussion. I'll tell you right now, I'm not going to take Keenan Allen. Um, I don't think it's even close between him and the other receivers. Uh, I, there's a couple of really good guys on the board. I, I I'm, I'm already ruling out Cooper, and I'm ruling out Diggs. I think I'm between Godwin and Evans. Yeah. And I think I'm going to go Godwin. Really? Is that crazy? Is that crazy? I mean, I think it's crazy, but to each his own. I just think, and I'm kind of projecting, and I think that Godwin is going to even have a, I think Godwin's going to have a better season than Evans this year. Yeah, I I just Um, think that, listen, first of all, who are most teams putting their top corner on? Probably Evans. And... I just think that – I mean, Godwin is phenomenal, but I think that if you were to say one guy's success is more based off the other, I would say Godwin. But – I mean, Godwin had more receptions, yards, and touchdowns. Yes. Yeah. No, I mean, there's definitely the argument, and, and Godwin can play out of the slot really well too. Um, yeah, I, I don't think you can go wrong. They're both disgusting. So with that – that wraps up another episode. Uh, next week, uh, hopefully, we will have some NBA to talk about as those games will start up on Thursday night. And I'm just going to hope that we'll be having 
MLB next week as well. So, so that's uh, you know, I'm gonna go with the blind yeah, hope. But hey, blind hope, just like Rob Manfred. Yep, blind hope, not blind. All right, see you guys next week. Oh, you don't say that.